Exodus 39, the the plan, Lord willing, would be for us to finish out the book of Exodus, uh, and then we'll pick up in Leviticus next week. Um, uh, you know, again, Lord willing. So, uh, where we pick up in our study. Things are starting to get made uh, for uh, the tabernacle, uh, and uh, what we see here is uh, the uh, the uh, things that were um, the, the very uh, detailed instructions that uh, the Lord gave to Moses on Mount Sinai regarding uh, the the altars, uh, the table of showbread, uh, the lampstand, all those things. Uh, we studied that in the past couple weeks of you know how you know the dimensions of those again. Uh, the Lord in uh, Exodus twenty five through twenty eight, we can see those things being spelled out. But uh, here we are, and we're actually seeing those things, uh, you know, coming to fruition, where the instructions were given, uh, you know, several uh, chapters back. But now we're getting into these things actually taking place and being uh, put together. So, uh, in, in in our study in the last couple weeks, we've discussed uh, how Israel was so excited to play uh, their role in, in a part where they can they can step in and be a part of something that God was doing and, and uh, how much of a blessing it is that, that God would use sinful human beings. Uh, but what we saw in them was a joyfulness uh, to partake and uh, that, that they literally needed to be commanded to stop giving because they were giving so much that, that uh, you know, the workers had to go to Moses and say, hey, enough, we've got as much as we need. Uh, and so Moses had to command them to stop. And we just talked about that, that uh, blessedness of, of being able to um, uh, give to something that God is doing. And uh, we discussed how some have, uh, have exploited people and, and, and tricked them into giving uh, you know, millions of dollars so they can buy luxur luxurious cars and houses and planes even uh, in those things. But what we see here is uh, such a blessing that they're giving of the things that they, they received from Egypt as they were leaving, the, the gold, the earrings, you know, those types of things, the linens and those things that uh, their neighbors, the Egyptian neighbors gave to them as they were leaving. So uh, they were very excited about it. And then we see um, those uh, holy have been uh, Bezalel uh, uh, using their gifts uh, to not only do some of this work, but also to teach others how to do it. So it was, a, it was great to see that you know, God is using people and training them up uh, to minister and to do those things. So there are a lot of different pictures we uh, can uh, get from what we've been building up to until uh, 39 when we're getting in here. So uh, what we're going to see as we study is, is some interesting things Regarding the command of the Lord, um, I counted 21 times uh, in these two chapters where it says, as the Lord commanded Moses, or, or just along those lines. Uh, there might be a slight variation here or there, uh, but they knew the command and were that they were required to carry out specific orders and, and how things uh, were to be carried out, right? Because there was an example shown to Moses on Mount Sinai. So now what he was doing was carrying out uh the uh the building orders or uh, you know they, they he was given the the visual blueprints and and the instructions and now they're putting these things into play so uh but as as we read in here i counted 21 times that these two chapters say you know, as the lord commanded moses 
so there's a large lesson in that for us as we study. So verse 1 says, Of the blue, purple, and scarlet thread, uh, they made garments of ministry for ministering in the holy place and made holy garments for Aaron as the Lord had commanded Moses. So there's the first one, and we're going to read that several times uh, this evening. So uh, now it's shifting to priestly garments. We we looked at last week the things that were going to be put in uh, to uh, the tabernacle or uh, around the tabernacle, and that would be like the laver or the, the, the bronze altar or the altar of incense the table of showbread, those things, the the, uh, the lampstand, uh, the ark, and the mercy seat, those things we were uh, studying last week. Now, uh, as we're reading through, it's shifting to the priest, priestly garments. Uh, the first one described here is the ephod. Now, uh, there there will be some pictures that come up. We're just going to look at three pictures. We've seen these pictures before, uh, but uh, Becky and Natalie are going to pull those up here for us so that we can see. So uh, so the first thing will be the priestly garments that we see here. So um, uh, Natalie, if you can um, yeah, just move it down where it's not showing the hat. Yeah, there you go. And uh, so we see, and uh, zoom it right, right out a little bit, please. Keep going out. There you go, right there. So we'll just keep it right there. So uh, uh, what we're going to look at here is that, that priestly garment that's being described. This is the high priestly garment, okay? So uh, once uh, Natalie gets back there, uh, then, then you'll see. But I'm just uh, it's, it's, uh, we're doing it in a weird way because I didn't know what instructions to give them. So they're just doing it the way I taught them. And it's probably not the right way to run this program. Uh, but so there it is. You can just leave that right there. Um, so... Uh, they are champs about uh, you know picking these things up and and uh, jumping right into it and with a, a little bit of pressure on them. So you're doing good, guys. So or ladies, right? So uh, verse two says uh, he made the ephod of gold, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, and of fine woven linen, and they beat the gold into thin sheets. And cut it into threads uh, to work it in uh, with the blue, purple, and scarlet thread and the fine linen into artistic designs. Uh, they made the shoulder straps uh, for it uh, to couple it together. It, it, and uh, it was uh, coupled together at its two edges. And the intricately woven band uh, of his ephod uh, was... Uh, that was on it was of the same workmanship woven with uh, with uh, sorry woven of gold blue purple and scarlet thread and of fine woven linen as the Lord had commanded Moses so there's our second as the Lord had commanded Moses right so those instructions the the ornamented vest of, of gold blue and purple so uh, you'll, you'll see that there uh, the vest that would go over um, and uh, so as we go through that's uh, yeah just you could just leave it right there you don't have to zoom in or anything yet okay so uh, when we're looking at these things uh, as we're uh, getting a description we're getting kind of a zoomed in look at them so in verse six it's it, it continues so but it says the ornamented vest uh, here is what we're talking about here but it says uh, gold blue and purple and the gold was beaten to thin sheets and cut into threads uh, so that they could use it and intertwine it uh, so these guys weren't just putting together this wasn't like um, you know me trying to do home economics class in seventh and eighth grade 
where everything I needed to do, you know, cooking my, uh, my uh, cookies didn't come out all that hot. I had to make this pillow. And of course I'm a guy and none of us guys, you know, we're all afraid and like, I will tell you that was a very valuable life lesson class that I think everybody should have taken even in high school. How to how to bake, like opening the oven up so and, and moving your face away so your face doesn't burn, right? You know, right? You don't get filled with smoke. There was a lot that I learned in that class, okay? Uh, I was not good at it, but I, I, I learned some stuff and I'm going, oh, that's why my teacher told me these things. But this was seventh and eighth grade. It was an elective in high school and I uh, wrestling, uh, I was a wrestler and I was on the football team and I'm like, no way I'm going into home ec, right? <laughs> so, you know, I did whatever the alternative was. I think it was industrial arts, which I was awful at also. You know, I'm just, I'm not a mechanic, right? Uh, and we're in there, we're trying to learn how to, um, had a weld. We're trying to do all those things. And I was not a good worker, a good, uh, good, um, a metal worker, right? So what we see here is they, they uh, beat this gold down into fine sheets and they, they cut into the threads, right? So uh, so they've got these little fine threads that they're using so that they can weave them in uh, and uh, that they would be a part of this. And there are actually some shoulder straps that uh, you can see up at the top there. Uh, and the neat thing about it, verse 6 says, and they set six, uh, they set onyx stones enclosed in settings of gold. They were engraved as as signets um, and are engraved. Sorry, uh, as signets are engraved with the names of the sons of Israel. He put them on the shoulders of the ephod as memorial stones for the sons of Israel, as the Lord had commanded Moses. Third time, and I'm not going to count out each time, but you see what I mean, though. As the Lord commanded Moses, God said, uh, you know, Moses needed to pay attention, and he said, I want you to make it uh, like what you saw when you were up on Mount Sinai. So the, there were two onyx stones, uh, six sons of, of Israel, of Jacob, on each side, and uh, the high priest would wear uh, their names there. So he'd actually be bearing the names of the 12 tribes on his uh, on his shoulders as a memorial for the 12 stones. So, uh, and again, it says, as the Lord had uh, commanded. So, you know, he's, he's bearing these names as the high priest, the one that's interceding between Israel and the Lord. So uh, quite a, uh, a, a thing to consider there as we're reading it. So next is a breastplate. And you'll see the you can uh, zoom in on that, please. Just pull it down a little bit and then zoom in. So there's the breastplate right in the center there. And he made the breastplate artistically woven like the workmanship of the ephod uh, of gold, blue, purple, and scarlet thread and of fine woven linen. So you'll see how they, they look very similar, but now this is the actual breastplate that's being described here. Uh, they made the breastplate square by doubling it. A span was its length, and a, a span would be, you know, from here to here, and its uh, width uh, and a span uh, would be doubled. So, you know, you've got uh, that would it would come down here, uh, and it was a square, uh, and it was doubled so that it would, um, as we'll see here, it would uh, go over also. So, uh, verse 10, and they set in it four rows of stone, a row of sardis, uh, with sardis, topaz, and an emerald as the first row, the second row, a turquoise, sapphire, and a diamond, the third row, a I'm going to say jacinth and a gate. I'm probably wrong. Uh, and an amethyst, uh, the fourth row, a, uh, 
a barrel, uh, an onyx, and a jasper. Those are a little bit easier. They uh, were enclosed in settings of gold uh, in their mountings. They were 12 stones according to the names of the sons of Israel, according uh, to their names, engraved like a signet, uh, each one with its own name according to the 12 tribes. And they made chains for the breastplate at its ends, uh, like braided cords of pure gold. So as we're going through, you're going to see some of these things. That's why they're there, so that we can uh, we can see how these things uh, connect and how they were were worn. Verse 16. They also made two settings of gold and two gold rings to put the rings on the two ends of the breastplate. And uh, they put the two braided chains of gold in the two rings on the ends of the breastplate. The two ends of the two braided chains, they fastened to the two settings and put them on the shoulder straps of the ephod on the front. So we can see how those connect, right, onto the shoulder of, of the actual ephod, where they're, they're actually going up and, and connecting there. Um in the front. Did I end with verse 18? Sure. Verse 19. And they made two rings uh, and uh, of gold and put them on the ends of the breastplate at the edge of it, uh, which was on the in, uh, inward side of the ephod. They uh, made two other gold rings and put them on the two shoulder straps underneath the ephod toward its front, right at the seam above the intricately woven band of the ephod and they bound the breastplate by means of its rings to the rings of the ephod with the blue cord uh, so that they uh, would be above the intricately woven band uh, of the ephod and the breastplate would uh, not come loose from the ephod as the Lord had commanded Moses. Now some of us here can read that and with our minds, you know, my kids are artistic. My wife's artistic. They can, like, imagine this in their mind. I can't do that. I'm looking at it. I'm like, I'm losing, even as I'm reading it here. You know, I can, I can very quickly, my mind will start drifting. And I'm going, okay, intricately woven. I'm kind of lost right now, okay? So that's why we have pictures for people like me, right? Uh, and, and hopefully they'll help us to make sense of what's being described here. So Aaron, the high priest, um, would put these, and he put them over his heart. That's, that's why, you know, the symbolism there. Those, those stones that were put in there, each one representing each tribe, they would be put in there uh, so that there would be the symbolism of the high priest, um, you know, bearing uh, the, the tribes on his shoulders, and also that those tribes would be close to his heart. Uh, so these precious stones... Um consider uh you know a, a lot of people say oh my birthstone is this and and parents might put a bare birthstone uh, in a ring or on a necklace or those things uh it, it, it no doubt i i think that probably came from uh maybe even this so they had their gold settings of stones and in the first row uh they had uh these um these specific stones that were representing reuben levi uh Simeon and levi and then the second row would have uh the they would have uh, represented Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. The third one would be uh, Dan, Naphtali, and Gad. These are in order of, of, of birth, right? Uh, and then Asher, Joseph, and Benjamin would be on the fourth row. So uh, as we see here how those things are, are set up, uh, at least we have some sort of thing to look at that would uh, help us to understand. Uh, verse 22, he made the robe of the ephod of uh, woven work, uh, all of blue. So 
uh, under, if you look there, under, um, yeah, so there we can see it there. So we see the robe, the blue robe there under the ephod uh, that would be there. And uh, there was an opening in the middle of the robe, like the opening of a coat of mail with a uh, woven binding all around the opening so that uh, it would not tear. Uh, they made on the hem of the robe pomegranates of blue, uh, purple, and scarlet, and of fine woven linen. And they made bells of pure gold and put the bells between the pomegranates on the hem of the robe all around between the pomegranates and uh, sorry, and a bell and a pomegranate, a bell and a pomegranate. So it's, you know, that was the pattern, a bell, pomegranate, bell, uh, pomegranate. Going to try to say that five times fast, right? Uh, all of them, uh, uh, sorry, all around the hem of the robe uh, to minister as the Lord had commanded Moses. So uh, the robe itself, you see uh, down near the bottom of the robe, that's what's being described there. So the tunics, uh, then they made the tunics, we can see those, the white sleeves there, um, artistically woven of fine linen for Aaron and his sons, and a turban of fine linen, exquisite hats uh, of fine linen, uh, trousers of fine woven linen, and a sash of fine woven linen with blue, purple, and uh, scarlet thread may be uh, made by a weaver as the Lord had commanded Moses. So uh, so we're getting to see. So now we're going to look into the high priestly, uh, the, the crown that's set uh, in the high priest's um, uh, in, into we'll call it the hat uh, that's there verse 30 says then uh, they made the plate of the holy crown of pure gold now remember all these things were uh, very uh, well described in chapters before as we discussed 25 through uh, 28 you can look into those things uh, and uh, it says then they made the plate of the holy crown of pure gold and wrote on it an inscription like the engraving of a signet, holiness to the Lord. And they tied to it a blue cord uh, to fasten it above the turban, uh, above on the turban, uh, as the Lord uh, had commanded Moses. So uh, holiness to the Lord would be on that, that gold plate. So you see the turban there, and then there'd be that gold. There you go. Great. Good job zooming in on that. So that gold there, it would say holiness to the Lord to them. They would understand it be as holy is the Lord. Uh, so uh, for for them to understand. So uh, we we saw the breastplate with everybody's name. We saw the shoulders with the symbolism uh, of of the the. Um, names being engraved there on the shoulders and on the stones on the on the breastplate now we see holiness to the lord and uh, there's a reminder here that ministry and those ministering uh for so a holiness to the lord would be uh so there the reminders that would be on the chest and on the shoulders would be of the people and then holiness to the lord would remind them of who they're ministering to uh to the lord with israel on their hearts and on their mind uh there, there's a, a lot of similar Symbolism, uh, very heavy uh, uh, focus on what these things would mean. And there's a reminder here that we discussed earlier when we were discussing these things, but for a pastor in uh, anybody serving in any type of ministry that you're ministering to other people, the ministry is not about us. Okay, uh, there there are uh, so many times that it's very easy to think, well, I don't want to do. Why do I have to? Because God tells us to, and it's not about us. Our our uh, mindset, if anybody's serving in ministry, is shut up and do it. You know, that's the my that's John's way of saying it. you're not going to find that in you know 
book of Fleshalonians or whatever in the Bible, right? Uh, but it's it's a mindset of what we're called to do. Just do it. Uh, there there are many times that uh, you know the focus will turn, and you know I'm I'm not sure I'm uh, really excited about you know this or that or whatever. But it doesn't matter. What is God calling you to do when you do it? Uh, you know these guys were offering sacrifices and serving in the temple every day. Uh, so consider uh, you know what they were doing. And uh, so, but the ministry is not about the minister. It's about those that are being ministered to. Yes, the minister is going to be blessed tremendously as they're ministering. But if you look there, it doesn't say, hey, here's the great reminder of you, right? The reminders are of the Lord and of the people that you're ministering to and you're ministering on behalf of, right? That was what the high priest needed to be reminded of, ministering uh, for the children of Israel. You know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? That that reminder of, of what ministry is, is all about. Verse 32, so now uh, we see the work of the tabernacle items being completed. Uh, so uh, verse 32 says, thus all the work of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting uh, was finished, and the children of Israel did all uh, according to all that the Lord had commanded Moses, so they did. So the work was done when they listened to the instructions of the Lord and they made things according to those instructions that they received. Uh, Bezalel and Aholiab would be overseeing all these things, but they made them according to the instructions given by the Lord to Moses that Moses uh, then passed on uh, for those to be uh, brought in uh, and, and made in these particular ways. Verse uh, 33 says, and they brought the tabernacle, uh, they brought the tabernacle to Moses. So that means they're gra gathering everything together. All these things that had been put together and made, now they're being brought to Moses, okay? Uh, the tent and all its furnishings, its class, its boards, uh, its bars, its pillars, and its sockets, the covering of ram skins dyed red, the covering of badger skins in the veil of the covering, the Ark of the Testimony with its poles and the mercy seat. Now, as we're leading through the, uh, reading through these, understand this was a lot that was happening. These were a lot of things that needed to be moved. Okay, so uh, when when we see here all these things being, uh, this was a lot of work. This was a big undertaking for them, uh, but the Lord provided for them, and they were successful in doing what they were doing. Uh, verse thirty-six, the tabber. Um, uh, yeah, thirty-six. The tabber, the table, all its utensils, and the showbread, the pure um, uh, gold lampstand with its uh, lamps, uh, the lamps set in order, all its utensils, and the oil for the light. So these are these are this is a lot of different things. Think of what was being described to them, and as we're looking through here, like yeah, the utensils, the lamps, and all those things. There are many things that come into ministry. There are a lot of different things that that are are are, are brought in. Uh, if you consider even this church, right? Okay, so if we're thinking, okay, what do we need for a church? Okay, we need chairs. We need trash cans. We need you know think of these things, and and these are the things that God had had uh, put on them so that they would have what they need to fulfill what God said. So as we're reading through this, uh, these clasps and these these uh, poles and all those things may not make a whole lot of sense, but what we uh, understand is that these were the things that were uh, prescribed by the Lord for them to make, that they were to, to bring in. So as we're reading them, uh, just understand they all served very uh, significant purposes. Imagine this church without trash cans. Right? Think about that. Just think about the trash cans, okay? 
how many times uh, every meeting we have here, at least once a month, every meeting or or church service we uh, church. Um, uh, I can't say church. You guys know what I mean. But once a month we meet as a full church uh, for a meal. But every meeting and every other ministry enjoys meals together at least once a month, right? Can you imagine, okay, what do we do with all the trash? You know, what do we do, okay, if we don't have seats? You know, we don't have these things. We have to have some of these things to make these things work. This is These are the things that were prescribed by the Lord. So as we're putting these together, just understand uh, that uh, I know it's a long list to read through, uh, but they all serve very significant purposes. Verse 38, the gold altar, the anointing oil, the sweet incense. The screen for the tabernacle door, the bronze altar, it's great of bronze, it's poles and all its uh, utensils, the labor in its base, uh, the hangings of the court, its pillars and sockets, the screen for the uh, the court gate, its cords, its pegs, all the utensils uh, for the service of the tabernacle, for the tent of meeting, and the garments of ministry to minister um uh, to minister in the holy place the holy garments for Aaron the priest and his son's garments uh, to minister as priests. Verse uh, 42 says, according to all that the Lord had commanded Moses. So all of these things were brought in. They were made and now they're ready. They were brought in uh, uh, as the Lord had commanded to Moses. So the children of Israel did all the work. Then Moses looked over all their work and indeed they had done it all as the Lord had commanded Just so they had done it, uh, and Moses blessed them. So that whole long list of things that needed to be brought in, it wasn't just thrown in and Moses was like, cool, it's all there, great. No, Moses had to inspect these things. Uh, when, when you're given directions by the creator of the universe on top of a mountain, uh, and while you're up there in the glory that he was able to see, uh, Moses, as, as he was uh, progressing as, as their leader uh, in those things, he knew very specific. This was a serious thing. So all the stuff's brought to him. And what we see here is that everything passed inspection. It was carefully examined uh, that it would be according to the you know what the Lord had commanded him and um, Moses took the command of God very seriously and uh, the word was passed along to Israel they all knew the importance of following uh, his word carefully um, they did it and uh, they did all the work that they were commanded to do and Moses blessed them uh, so uh, you know the key to God's blessings in our lives is obedience to his word if we want God to truly bless us uh, does God bless people who don't follow his word? Yes, right? We see that happening, right? We see people that are living godless lives that are blessed with worldly possessions, right? And worldly relationships. They may be rich, powerful. They may have all these things that somebody would look and say, hey, I'm, you know, this is a very successful thing uh, uh, or a successful person in their life. Look at everything that they have, you know? Um, all you got to do is turn on an award show, right? Uh, and you see, uh, you know, uh, all these uh, these people and they, they come in all these cars and, you know, all these this great pomp circumstance and, and all those things. And and you can look and go, their life is blessed. And and but the true blessings uh, to be enjoyed from the Lord uh, are come from having a relationship with him and, and obeying his word. Right. That, that what does the scripture tell us? Godliness with contentment is great gain. 
That, that, that's where we're going to find our greatest blessing is being uh, lockstep with what the word of God is saying and being ob obedient to what he's saying. You're not just knowing it, having the head knowledge of what God does say, but actually applying it. So these guys, when they applied God's word and they did what they were told to do, they received a blessing from their leader, from uh, from Moses. And uh, it's, a, it's a great picture for us to learn from. So uh, another thing is as we're walking with the Lord and we're being obedient to his word is we're going to see work done in and through our lives. Um, you know, God used them to uh, do an incredible thing and, and to uh, and, and to accomplish this this great task together. They built this. You know that there was great joy uh, as as this is all being set up and going. We were a part of that, right? Uh, you know, just understand that the Lord is going to call us to use the talent, right? Because we saw uh, Bezalel and Aholiab, uh, how they were blessed in being able to do the work that needed to be done and teaching and training those others. So then they'd bring them in and those that would give, uh, would, uh, would give these things. And they were being used, right? God was using them uh, to help others. And they were also uh, being called. If, if you're not one of the gifted artisans, then you were being uh, called uh, to give as the Lord stirred your heart. And, and we saw you know, the, the, the amazing reaction from that. Just understand that as we're obeying the Lord and we're following him, the Lord might even use us for something so important that it would lead to somebody else's salvation. We may think it's nothing. We may be bringing in a spool of yarn, right? We've talked about this, right? We may be bringing in a pack of diapers when we did the thing for first step. And then to hear those, those ladies say that some people will actually make the decision whether to carry the baby and have the baby based upon whether they have diapers or not. Understand that, that what may seem as the smallest task, if we're obedient to the word of the Lord and we're doing those things and we're carrying out what we're told to do by the Lord, what he's stirring our hearts to do, look at the result. Look at the result. It's an amazing thing. So they've received a blessing. Uh, there was work done in and through their lives, and uh, it was no doubt blessing other people. Exodus chapter 40, verse 1. Now, we'll see the tabernacle actually starting to be put together, uh, and we'll see the arrangement coming uh, here also. So uh, verse 1 says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, On the first day of the first month you shall set up the tabernacle of the tent of meeting. So God had further instructions as to when the tabernacle would be set up, uh, you know, where to do what God says he, he says to do, and how he says to do it, and when. That is right. The Lord will guide us as we as we submit our will to his. He is going to have us in a point. He's going to give us those instructions. What are our marching orders? What what is it the Lord has for us? Um, my uh, my world, my my past you know life. I'll, I'll say for 24 years is we we would receive orders. This is what you're going to do. This is how you're going to carry out things, right? Uh, eventually, when I got uh, further on in my career, I was one that was actually I wasn't giving specific orders as far as uh, you know as an officer would have you know uh, those things. But I was given command, or I, I don't want to say command, but I was given uh, the the um, uh, the leadership ability to make decisions and and move forward with those decisions and so that I could give marching orders to those that would come after me. And uh, so I, I've been on both sides of that, 
Okay, so I remember, you know, early in your career, uh, you're just, you know, uh, more of uh, you're doing the grunt work, right? You're doing the the, the little things. Then you progress into uh, being a leader on a certain level. And then I got up to the su- superintendent level. So I was over a whole team for the state. So I had to I had to kind of dictate, okay, I'd go talk to all of our, uh, you know, general officers and, and colonels and those things. And they would tell us and I would present them with this and I'd say, hey, this is what we want to do. And I want to pass these things forward. So what we see happening here is they've completed that the next step is actually okay we have all these pieces right you know it'd be like you know consider it like legos right you know you know if you want to liken it to something even today not that the tabernacle is a you know, lego project but right you, you you actually have all the pieces and now you've got to put it together so uh but these guys they, they all manufactured all these things and uh so now now the, it's time to build Right, we have some builders in here. Right, you go get the, the things that you need, uh, and once you have everything you need, you've got the blueprints, and you start putting things together. That's what we see uh, happening here. But the Lord's saying, "Yeah, we're going to do that, but we're going to do it when I tell you to." Verse three: You shall put in the ark of the test. Uh, you shall put in it the ark of the testimony, and. Uh, partition off the ark with the veil. Right. So, uh, if we can pull up uh, the tabernacle, Natalie. So she's going to pull that up here. So the tabernacle. Uh, so here, here is a uh, a depiction of what it may have looked like. But uh, all the way to the top, yeah. So she's got her. Uh, she's kind of hovering over it right now. Uh, so that's the ark of the testimony, the ark of the covenant, and we'll see the. Uh, we'll discuss the mercy seat also. But that's what's being described right now as we're reading this. Okay. And there's a veil right in front of it. You see that veil there. Uh, verse four. You shall bring in the table and. Uh, Yes, and you shall bring in uh, the table and arrange the things that are to be set in order on it. And you shall bring in a lampstand and uh, lights, uh, light its lamp. So if you can zoom out a little bit. So the table is going to be uh, to the right-hand side. Uh, so you see the table with the things on it, and then you see the lampstand directly across from it. Uh, verse 5, you shall also set the altar of uh, of gold for the incense before the ark of the testimony and put up the screen uh, for the door of the tabernacle. So we see the screen there uh, all the way at the bar on the right hand side and then the ark of incense. You can leave it right there. That's fine. Uh, the uh, the altar of incense uh, is right in front of the veil. Okay, so that's that's how it's it's being um, uh, placed in there. Verse six. Then you shall set the altar of the burnt offering before the uh, door of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting, and you shall set uh, the labor between the tabernacle of meeting and the altar, uh, and put water in it. So if you can zoom out from here. Okay. Now, uh, now, if you can go to the the uh, the last picture that I had for you. Okay. So and then uh, zoom in a little bit. Uh, to the outer core. Yep, there you go. Yep, okay, great. So that's where, where we're looking at. Then you can set the altar of burnt offering uh, before the door of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting, and you shall set the labor between the tabernacle uh, of meeting and the altar and put water in it. So we see uh, where that is, right? So that, uh, you can back it up just a little bit right there. Yep, so the altar there, and then uh, then we see the labor. And we're going to talk about these uh, each of these as we go. And verse 8 says, You shall shut, uh, set up the court all around, and hang up the screen at the court gate. Uh, so God gives specific instructions of the layout of the tabernacle. And this might be what it looked like here. So you see uh, the, the uh, outer court being uh, 
we have the uh, the fence being put up. That's what I'm going to call it for right now. And if you could back that out just a little bit more, and you see the screen there. Okay, so there's the the entrance to uh, the tabernacle itself uh, and and the courts of them. And then uh, and then as we see the altar of burnt offering would be the first thing there. And before entering the tabernacle itself, the the priests would have to wash their hands and their feet. So we'll get to that here in just a moment. Uh, verse 9, and you shall t take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and all that is in it, and you shall hallow it and all its utensils, and it shall be holy. You shall anoint the altar of the burnt offering of the burnt offering and all its utensils and consecrate the altar. The altar shall be most holy, and you shall anoint the labor and its base and consecrate it. So you notice it says here, all of the utensils of the altar, uh, the labor, uh, these are the things that needed to be anointed with oil. They shall be holy and consecrated, okay? Uh, the anointing oil. The anointing oil was, would be the symbol of the Holy Spirit. So uh, we want every portion of our worship to be anointed by the Holy Spirit. We we uh, think about what's the the symbolism. Think about what we're looking at. This is holy and consecrated, sacred, set apart. Right? Uh, that 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 it would be something that's between us and the Lord, so that that it would all be uh, covered uh, with the anointing oil. We don't want to do anything without the Holy Spirit as believers. Right? Uh, would you know? Think of the the Holy Spirit is the one that indwells us. You know, when we confess uh, Jesus Christ as our Savior, then we are, are given as a gift the Holy Spirit, uh, and we would want the Holy Spirit to touch every portion of our lives and every portion of how we worship God, how we serve God, right? Because this is talking about the utensils and, uh, and everything that's, that's within, even the utensils, even the little things. We want the, the Holy Spirit to be a part of everything that we're doing as we're worshiping God. Verse 12, then you shall bring Aaron and his sons to the door of the tabernacle of meeting and wash them with water. You shall put the holy garments on Aaron and anoint him and consecrate him that he may minister to me as priest. You shall, uh, and you shall bring his sons and clothe them with tunics. You shall anoint them as you anointed their father that they may minister to me as priests, for their anointing shall surely uh, be an everlasting priesthood throughout their generation. So Aaron and his sons uh, were to be washed with water, clothed with priestly garments, anointed with oil, uh, and uh, then they would minister to the Lord. So our lives and ministry, uh, we as Christians would want um, anointed by the Holy Spirit. Not only uh, just our time of worship here in this church, but our relationship, that every, everything that we do in serving God uh, would be led by and filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, when we try to do things on our own or, or we, you know, the Spirit's saying one thing to us and we say, no, I know better. Uh, you ever seen a kid do that? You know, when you're trying to teach them how to do anything, right? There might be, uh, okay, so this, this is how we make cookies. We do this. No, 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 no. We need to do it this way. No, no, no. You actually have to, you know, put eggs in there. No, you don't. I don't like eggs. You know, all, all those things, the, the silly things, and you're like, well, okay, let's make it the way you want. Let's see what comes out, right? Uh, we don't want to experience those things. We want the Holy Spirit uh, to be involved in all that we're doing. Now, these, these uh, men were uh, called to do a, a powerful thing in representing God. 
you know, and God honored them as they were representing him. So uh, this anointing that would happen here, that sacred oil uh, being placed on their head in a ceremony uh, representing the filling and continual reliance upon uh, the Holy Spirit. There would be uh, consecration uh, for them, and, uh, and, we're, and we're going to get into this later uh, when we get into uh, Leviticus, though, uh, giving in, uh, given into the hands of the Lord, that consecration uh, process, you know, being equipped to minister. Uh, and so uh, these were all required by the Lord, so they did uh, so as they were commanded. So uh, this, is, this is all talking about, oh, sorry, I, I jumped into verse 16, thus Moses did, according to all that the Lord had commanded him. So he did. So the all important part that uh, thus Moses did, according to all that the Lord commanded him, so he did. That's the all important thing. What is God saying? And am I going to do according to what he says? What that really, how do we apply that to our lives? Right? That means that we can sit here in church, right? And we can go, I know God is calling to me to do this and that, but I don't want to. That means that we're disobeying God when we see the command, right? When we see that God is calling us out of a specific thing or he's calling us to do something. And we're like, oh, you know what? I don't like that call from the Lord, right? Jonah. Think of Jonah, right? He's called to go minister to the Assyrians, right? Go to Nineveh. And he doesn't realize that God is going, and they're exceedingly wicked, awful people, putting hooks in people and, and dragging them along and uh, you know, bringing them into bondage. He wanted nothing to do with those people. But he was called to go do something. God was calling him to do it, and he didn't. So what did God do? Prepares a, a large fish to swallow him and spits him up. You know, as he's trying to get in a, a ship and go in the wrong direction, this big storm comes, and, uh, you know, everybody's trying to figure out what happens. He confesses, and they're like, what are you doing? Right? And then he's like, you just need it, guys. What you really need to do is throw me in the water. And they're arguing with him. He's just like, this just needs to happen. And the Lord brought him to exactly to where he wanted to be. And there's a lot of mess, uh, lessons to learn from uh, the book of Jonah. And, and go go read it. Um, and there's some crazy stuff, you know, where, uh, you know, Jonah's heart, he doesn't want to give the message of repentance. And what happens when they give it? They repented. God is saying, look, you know, uh, these people don't know they're left from their right. I don't want to destroy them. I want to give them an opportunity to repent. If God is calling us to do those things that, that we don't want to do, we need to be obedient to do all that the Lord has called us to do. So whether it's calling us to do something or to stop doing something, we're going to experience blessing from the Lord as we do what he tells us to do. Whether it's, hey, knock that off. That does not need to be a part of your life anymore. Or you need to do this because this needs to be a part of your life because it's obeying me and I have a special, a special thing for you to do. It may not be as crazy as what happened with Jonah. It might be, hey, you see that person over there at work? I want you to just go over and sit with them at lunch. And I want you to strike up a conversation with them. You know, or or I, I don't know what it is. Whatever it is that we just need to be careful to do all that the Lord is calling us uh, and commanding us to do and to do those things. So God told him to do it, so he did. You know, when we consider 
that as a part of our personal walk and you know any type of ministry the Lord has given us. We need that to be a, a key thing for us is what does God say and I'm going to do it whether I want to do it or not. Uh, so do as God says and let him take care of the rest. It's not our responsibility. If God says to Jonah and he says go preach to Nineveh, it's not Jonah's responsibility how their hearts are going to respond. His his calling was go preach to Nineveh, right? The same can happen with us. We're you know I can stand up here and, and, and say to somebody this, 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 and this. It's their responsibility to then obey it, right? Um, you know, a lot of people say, hey, look, I don't want to know more because then I'm accountable, right? How many times have you ever heard that? Right. You know, it doesn't have to just be in a, in a Christian um, uh, sense or a biblical sense, but in a lot of things like, look, if I don't know, what do they say? Um, um, uh, something is ignorance is bliss. Right. Ignorance is bliss. If I don't know, then uh, then, uh, you know, I, I can just I can act like those things. No, that's not what we're called to. Uh, called to trust the Lord, do what he says and let him take care of the rest. Verse 17, and it came to pass in the first month of the second year, as God said to Moses on the first day of the month, uh, that the tabernacle was raised up. So Moses raised up the tabernacle, fastened its sockets, set up its boards, and put its uh, put in its bars and raised up its pillars. And he spread out the tent over the tabernacle and put the covering of the tent over uh, on the top of it as the Lord had commanded Moses. So uh, he, he took the tabernacle and put in, uh, sorry, he took the, ta uh, the testimony, sorry, and put it into the ark, uh, inserted the poles through the rings of the ark and put the mercy seat on top of the ark. And he brought the ark into the uh, tabernacle, hung up the veil of the covering, and partitioned off the ark of test of the testimony as Lord had commanded Moses. So the uh, the tabernacles raised up and arranged when God said to do it and how God said to do it. We've we've discussed that already. But uh, when we uh, zoomed in, you guys saw the layout that was going to be set there. Verse twenty two, and he put the table in the tabernacle of meeting on the north side of the tabernacle outside the veil, and he set uh, the bread in order upon. Uh, upon it uh, before the Lord as the Lord had commanded Moses. So the table in its place. So we saw the table going into the tabernacle. If you wouldn't mind, uh, pull up. Uh, yeah, just zoom in a little bit. So, uh, yeah, so the, the bread would be over there on the right-hand side. And so, yeah, right there. It's a little bit blurry, but we've seen the, uh, the clearer picture already. So the lampstand directly across from it, verse 24, he put the lampstand in the uh, tabernacle of meeting across from the table on the south side of the tabernacle. And he lit uh, the lamps before the Lord as the Lord had commanded Moses. So now they're going in. So the tabernacle is all set up. Now they're filling. They're putting these things uh, into uh, where they're supposed to go. Verse 26, uh, the, the golden, uh, the gold altar. Uh, he put the gold altar in the tabernacle of meeting in front of the veil, and he burned sweet incense on it as the Lord had commanded Moses. So we see that right in front of the veil, uh, the uh, gold altar that was put there for incense. So verse 28, he hung up the screen at the door of the tabernacle. So uh, that would be, uh, yeah, so the screen that would stop, um, you know, it, it Worked as a screen, right? Uh, the So next is uh, now the things that are outside, verse 29. And he uh, put 
the altar of burnt offering before the door of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting and offered upon it the burnt offering uh, and the grain offering as the Lord had commanded Moses. So the exterior of the tabernacle, it's, this thing's made of brass, uh, and that brass was a picture of judgment. So uh, where you'd consider, uh, well, on it was uh, given the... Um, uh, the offerings. So uh, you'd see bulls, uh, sheep, goats. Uh, for the poor, it would be turtle doves and pigeons. So these would be killed at the entrance uh, before going into the tabernacle. The blood would be drained and sprinkled uh, all around the altar, and they would be skinned uh, and, uh, and and cut up, uh, cut apart. Uh, the legs, the intestines would be washed, and then everything would be, end up being uh, burnt on the altar. And the skins uh, went to the priests. So uh, that's kind of the layout that we, we see here. So after the altar would be the labor. Uh, so that's the, the thing where they would go in and wash. Uh, so they would wash their hands and their feet, right? Verse 30 says, He set the labor between the tabernacle of meeting and the altar and put water there for washing. And Moses and Aaron and his sons uh, would wash their hands and their feet with water from it. Whenever they went into the tabernacle of meeting, and when they came near the altar, they washed as the Lord had commanded Moses. So the labor was for washing their hands uh, and and feet before entering the tabernacle. Uh, there can be uh, some some symbolism there. Uh, this tabernacle of meeting that's where they would meet and serve God. So it's a, a, a I like when you just when the, the of meeting is added on there it reminds us of what was to happen there and what they were doing. There, so they would wash their hands. Consider the work of our hands as to be are, are to be clean, right? Wash their feet, walking in the ways of the Lord, not uh, in the world, right? We talked about that in Romans eight in our study on Sunday morning uh, that that we are called to walk with the Lord. The courtyard being completed, verse 33, and he raised up uh, the court all around the tabernacle and the altar and hung up the screen of the court gate. Uh, so Moses finished the work. So uh, so they put up all the things that were uh, surrounding um, uh, the, the tabernacle. They, they hung up the uh, the screen of the court. And, and when we zoom out a little bit, we can kind of see uh, the fencing that's put up around there. It says, Moses finished the work. And when God gives us an assignment, we're to rely upon him. And uh, God gave the assignment to Moses. And we saw that assignment being given to him on Sinai. Then we see them um, implementing those things. And they start doing those in these past few chapters. And we see the Lord. And, uh, you know, we need to rely upon him. Uh, because they weren't to go find this stuff themselves. You know, the Lord had already provided all this stuff. So Moses didn't say, well, Lord, are you just going to, you know, a lightning bolt these things right down and then we're going to put these things together or they're all going to be done. No, the Lord chose to use people. Understand that God chooses to use people for ministry. That's how he works. If we're looking, okay, God, are you with me in those things? How did he heal you know, consider the New Testament. How did God heal people in the New Testament, right? When when the apostles are sent out, starting in the book of Acts, right? When they're when they're sent out, God would heal people through other people. So the healings would come by by God touching people, or by sometimes it would even just be like Peter said, you know, silver and gold I, I, I have I none. What I do have in the name of Jesus Christ, I say to you, get up and walk. God uses people around us. This world is looking for a, 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 a visual demonstration 
to prove that God is working and that he exists. Right? What, I, what we can all tell them, you guys know what's coming next. Seeing is not believing. How many times did Israel see miraculous things and not believe? We have to understand that God has chosen to use men and women as vessels to work through. Moses' job was to take these instructions, go to other people, and, and then once they got these, then they're putting them all together, and it says that when Moses finished the work, right? When, this, when, when Moses put this all together, the, the work was finished. God used Moses to do his work. God uses people to do his work, to speak into our lives, right? He may use a brother or sister, you know, like, hey, you know what? I just wanted to call and tell you. I know you were praying about this a month or so ago, and God really put you on my heart. I was praying for you this morning, and he told me something, right? And I'm supposed to share that with you. And then we share those things, and, and then we've, we've, we've done what we're supposed to do. That person needs to then go to the Lord and pray for themselves. But this work that, that they were given, that Moses was given, he did it. He was told to do these things, and it says that he did it. And God was to be trusted, right? And could be trusted for provision. They were provided for, for the instruction and guidance. God provided those things. And, and God uh, would, uh, when, when we consider, when uh, Moses was surrounded by those with the skill to accomplish the tasks, right? Moses' was, job was to lead the people. These people were given their tasks from Moses and they were and God surrounded him with the people that had the skill and those that could teach others to do those things. We need to just rely upon him for the ability to complete what he tells us to do. We can rely upon him to ensure that it's being done and according to the command, as it says uh, in so many things that we've read already. Then the simplicity of getting the assignment from the Lord and trusting him. We're just called to do it. Trusting that where God guides us, he's going to provide for us. We're responsible only to trust him and obey. That's what we're, that's what we're responsible to do. What do you call me to do? I need to trust the Lord and then do what he tells me to do. We're called to finish the work that he gives us, as Moses did. Knowing that it's the Lord that gets the glory. When we see the Lord stirring the hearts of the people to donate, when we see that the Lord filled Bezalel and Aholiab with the Holy Spirit so that they had the gifts that they needed to uh, complete their task and to teach other people, we have to rely upon him and, and understand that when he does the work, when it's all done, Moses doesn't stand there and go, look what I built, guys. No, because what we're going to see here is then the cloud comes and God gets the glory for what was done. That's a key ingredient. Whatever God does in and through our lives, make sure he gets the glory for it. Not us. Yeah, you know, I just got tired of this or that or you know, all these things. And I made the change in my life. No, that's not the case. If it was repentance that was needed, it's the goodness of God, right? Romans 2 tells us that God, uh, it's the goodness of God that calls us to repentance, right? So, so we can't even claim glory for that. That's the important thing. We don't need to claim glory because it's uh, the glory is all his, that he would get the praise. And that's a great witness to those inside the church and outside the church that we would point to God and the things that he does. Verse 34, then the cloud covered the tabernacle meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. The cloud covered the tabernacle meeting. The work was done 
and now we see the glory of the Lord filling the tabernacle. You know, the great, the great pleasure for them, the great peace, the great uh, amazement for them, knowing that the glory of the Lord was present. Now, this is a special place. It was to be built, as God said, and it was filled with God's glorious presence. You know, God is, consider that when you consider the dwell, it would be a dwelling place for him to deal with these people that were so quick to turn. Right? How many times have we read how quick their hearts were to turn? How quick can we be to turn? And, and, but the Lord has chosen His Holy Spirit to dwell within us. You know, may we not be stiff-necked and hard-hearted, right? Not get to that point, but be pliable and listen to Him and trust in Him. Verse 35, And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it, and the glory of the Lord uh, filled the tabernacle. Like we talked about, this uh, a, a glory. God's glorious presence is right there. Verse thirty-six. Whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, the children of Israel would go onward on in all their journeys. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they would not journey till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was above the tabernacle by day, and fire was over it uh, by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. The Lord's presence still with them. In his grace and mercy, dwelling with them. Leading them. That, that when, the, when the cloud would lift it up, they knew that they needed to leave forward. When the cloud remained, they stayed there. They did as the Lord commanded, and the Lord blessed them uh, as, uh, you know, with his presence. You know, his presence is what we need in our lives more than anything. If we think of, okay, what do I need in life, right? And, and the world's going to tell us, okay, you need a good 401k. Uh, you have to, uh, you want to make sure that this is paid off. You need to make sure that you've got your, uh, uh, you know, funds set aside for emergency. You have a, it's the presence of the Lord, right? Consider uh, what, what Jesus said, you know, uh, men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. You know, what do we really need? The presence of God. That's what we need. And God is going to make sure that we have the food that we need, the clothing we need, and all of those things. We just need to trust in him, and he's going to take care of everything else. We just need to say, command our hearts, command our soul that God has spoken it. I have to trust this. Even in the times when we, it's hard to and we can't, we can't physically get to our minds to get to that point. That's where we take control of our thoughts, and we say, it is written it is here. Do I believe this book or not? Is this book a full uh, full of truth or is it full of lies? Or is it ha you know half and half, right? Which half and half is means it's not full of truth, right? So it's it's one or the other. Do we believe this book and do we apply it to our lives or not? Oh man, his presence is what we need. Consider, you know, where the spirit is, there is freedom. You know, God's presence is really what our lives are all about. And uh, with the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, uh, we uh, have the power to live for him. These people, day by day, were getting their guidance whether or not to move based upon the glory, that, that, that cloud that was overshadowing them, uh, what that was doing. You know, we should rely upon him in the same way. Go when he tells us to go. Stay when he tells us to stay. And just trust in him. Right, we can get to a point where we're driving ourselves nuts. 
And we get to a point where, uh, you know, how's God using me? How's he going to use me? Just sit down. Be quit, you know, uh, be still and know that I'm the Lord, right? Psalm 4610. Yes. So uh, just sometimes it's just being still. Knowing that God is who he says he is. Trusting in him and that everything else is going to uh, you know, come into play. You know, this this presence of the Lord. We've seen all the way through the scripture, the presence of the Lord, right? Adam and Eve in the garden. In Exodus 25, we see God's desire uh, to dwell with Israel. Exodus 40, what we just read, his glory came uh, uh, to the tabernacle. First Samuel chapter 4, we see the glory, and we'll get to uh, these things to come later. The glory departed. Israel's hearts had departed from the Lord, and the ark was captured, right? 1 Kings 8, the glory uh, dwelt in the temple, then departed because of the sins of the people. Uh, John chapter 1, verse 14 tells us that uh, the glory came in the person of Jesus Christ. God's glory, right? And now we as believers know that 1 Corinthians 6, as it tells us there, uh, that the glory of the Lord now dwells in the heart of believers. And uh, that the church, uh, it, it, that the Holy Spirit dwells within the church as a whole, Ephesians chapter 2. You know, God's glory will be revealed uh, in a new heaven and new earth, a perfect city where his people will dwell forever, right? Revelation 21, 22. You want hope for our future? You think of, you know, uh, no more tears, no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more death. The, the perfect place to be with the Lord. Be in his presence. This isn't, the, this isn't it. This earth is not it. We live in a fallen, sick, demented, uh, wicked world. This, this place is, guys, why do we have to have Amber Alerts? Why do we have to have those things, right? Why do we have to have all these things? Because we live in a wicked and fallen world. Not so. Read Revelation 21-22 in the presence of the Lord forever. Never going to have to worry about those things ever again. We're, with the, we're in the presence of the Lord. Where the, pro, where the Spirit is, there is freedom. And I want that freedom. So this is how God works. He's given us his word, and we're called to live by it, right? Called to live by it. How do we do that? By walking in the Spirit, Romans chapter 8. As we do, we experience his presence in our lives. When we have his presence in our lives, we have victory over sin and whatever else we may face. Healing that needs to happen. Uh, the de deliverance from something, whatever it is. Freedom in the Lord. We have, as Romans 8 tells us, we have life and peace and walking in the spirit, right? Walking in the flesh results in death. Re walking in the spirit results in life and peace. We'll take that all day long, right? That life and peace as we walk with the Lord in, in, in submission to his word and trusting him. You know, God's going to do amazing works in and through our lives. We just have to listen to what he has to say, do what he tells us to do, and and watch him work. Watch him do these things. Because Moses didn't do this all by himself. He stirred the hearts of people. He gave gifts to people so that they could carry out these things. And now it all came together, right? The puzzle pieces. Everything's put in order, and then boom, look, it's all done. You ever, have you ever finished a difficult puzzle and then looked at everything? I've only done it like once in my life. I've always been there for like the end of it. And you're like, oh, that looks great. Okay. But the frustration that can come in there, you know, all those things, that's what keeps me from doing, you know, um, many puzzles and everything. But, but what I'm saying is, is when this is all put together and you have everything that the Lord has put together, then God does all the work. We just have to step in, do what he tells us to do. And then everything else is going to come together. Amen.
Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for uh, chapters like uh, Exodus 39 and 40 that we can see that, that what you call us to do, you equip us to do. And that you give us everything that we need to. Lord, help us to trust you and obey you and walk forward in whatever you call us to do. We know, Lord, that obedience in the little thing, in the littlest of things, we're looking at clasps and, 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 and hooks and, and loops and, and those things. Obedience in the little things means something in the big things. Help us to be obedient to you in the little things and in the big things. Do as you say to do and let you do an amazing work in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Man, God bless you guys. Have a great rest of your evening and drive home safely.